Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show. This is Polygamy What Love Is This, and I am your host, Doris Hansen. And we want you to know that we call our show What Love Is This? Because if God truly loved us, would he really require the abusive life of polygamy? Well, we know that God does love us, and we also know that God never did uh, command polygamy. It has always been commanded by men, but never by God. And if you or anyone you know is in polygamy and would like to escape, would like to get out and escape safely, a Shield and Refuge ministry can help you. You can go to the website www.shieldandrefuge.org for more information. You can call the toll-free number 877-425-9. and all information is held strictly confidential. If you want to make any comments about our show or ask any questions, you can email us at email whatloveisthis.tv or you can call us at 385-240-2888 and the number is on the screen. Our guest this time has been on our show many, many times in the past He has a website that is a great resource for digging out information to help understand this Mormon culture. He is the founder of Mormonism Research Ministry. The website is mrm.org. He has authored several books on the subject and compiled one of my greatest resources entitled, In Their Own Words, I would like to welcome and introduce our guest, Bill McKeever. Thank glad you. To be with you. Thanks for coming back. I'm glad I could do it. To our new format. New format. <laughs> this is That's great. First time that you've been on this one. You know, in the past several months, the LDS Church has released and posted online lots and lots of essays about controversial doctrines of, of their of the Mormonism, and a lot of it touches the polygamy issue. And this one that we're going to talk about does as well. Some of these essays have been directed at uh, Joseph Smith's polygamy and his polygamy. And more recently, they released the essay on the mother in heaven, which is probably the shortest of all the essays that they've released. Six paragraphs. Six paragraphs, and the others are like six or some more Mm. pages. Uh, But it's a belief that all of Mormonism embraces, including the polygamy groups. Now, the essay can be found on the link on the screen at uh, uh, lds.org slash topics mother in heaven. But we want to discuss this essay about the mother in heaven and the idea that there might be a mother in heaven with you tonight. So uh, you did a radio show with Eric Johnson mm-hmm. on AMA 20 radio called Viewpoint on Mormon. Mm-hmm. You sh- actually, you did three we on did. this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and you, they can go on the website and find this. They can. They can go to mrm.org, and we have a little icon that says On Air. Mm-hmm. And if they click on that, that'll take them to the most recent shows that are in the queue, but they can hit the archive link from there and go back and catch any of our past catch shows. Catch all the, and mm-hmm. the ones on the Mother in Heaven. Okay. Well, you stated in, in one of the shows I listened to that their argument for, on behalf of a Mother in Heaven, is arguing from silence. Would yeah. you please explain now, what that What I mean is? by that, an argument from silence is, is you draw a conclusion, but there's really not a lot of evidence or any evidence at all really to support the conclusion. You just assume it to be true. 
And this is exactly what I think the Mormon Church has done with the Mother in Heaven. And so much is admitted. If anything, the, the evidence for this doctrine is not really found in biblical scripture, even though they do cite a few verses as somewhat of a support, but it's based on really hearsay. Mm -hmm. We don't have anything directly from Joseph Smith telling us that there is a mother in heaven. What we do have are secondhand and other accounts of mm -hmm. people who recalled, as the word is used in the essay, from some women who said Joseph Smith did tell them about this. But what's really odd to me as a researcher of Mormonism for most of my life is if I was to use that kind of evidence to prove my point, either for or against Mormonism, I would assume that most Mormon apologists would find a huge fault with that. Mm -hmm. In fact, you'll probably mm -hmm. notice mm -hmm. that whenever you bring up any second-hand accounts that may show Joseph Smith in a negative light, yeah. watch how quickly Mormon apologists dismiss it. Mm -hmm. They'll say, well, that's a second-hand account. You can't use that. You right. have to go and you have to get your, your facts from this list of criteria. And I think in this area, the Mormon church uh, basically is trying to get us to believe in something that the Bible really doesn't ever support. Mormon scripture never supports. Never supports we have no conference message from Joseph Smith, no revelation from Joseph Smith that actually vouches for this doctrine, but it's naturally assumed because, in my opinion and a lot of our opinion, that the Mormon church, because they've changed the glory of the incorruptible God and made yeah. him into an image like corruptible man, that obviously God must do everything the same way the same we way do it. We do. And of course, there's no biblical support for that. And you know, that at the argument from silence, um, there's people that I've talked to who have left either polygamy or Mormon church, and they'll say, well, was Jesus married? Well, no, he wasn't married. Well, how do you know? Um, and, and I'll say, well, there, at, first of all, there's nothing in the Bible that indicates that he is. And they'll say, yeah, but there's nothing in the Bible that says he wasn't. Is that, yeah. That's the kind of the same idea. <laughs> well, I, I would say it probably wouldn't be one of the better <laughs> arguments to say, well, there's no evidence to say he wasn't. Then the next question is, well, why would he have to be? Yeah, and and right. what would be your evidence to make that necessary? And of course, in Mormonism, marriage is absolutely essential. It is. You have to be married in order to hope to obtain exaltation in the next life. And so obviously, in their, their if God is going to command his offspring, as this essay is trying to prove, uh, if they are required to do that, then why wouldn't that be a requirement of himself? Mm -hmm. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of how they argue this case. Exactly. But, but we would say there's no biblical justification. Bruce McConkie, a Mormon apostle, called the doctrine of a mother in heaven an unspoken truth. Yeah, unspoken uh, truth. That's how he described it. Isn't it. The essay that we're talking about states that mother in heaven is rooted in scripture and prophetic teachings about the nature of God, and they claim scriptural evidence, but it's not in the Book of Mormon, and as you mentioned, it's not in the Bible. It's not even in the Joseph Smith translation. So, what in the world evidence are they claiming? Well, they do have footnotes in the essay, and this is this is where I think they're probably assuming most people won't look up the footnotes. I think now, that's true. Unfortunately, I I do tend to do that. I I love looking up footnotes. I want to see what the evidence they think they have. And what was fascinating to me is when it does say that in the first paragraph, this understanding of a heavenly mother is rooted in scriptural and prophetic teachings about the nature of God, our relationship to deity, and the godly potential of men and women. And it has footnote one. 
If you look at footnote 1, it takes us, the first one is Genesis 1, and 27. Now, if you've ever done any talking to Mormons for any amount of time, you'll find that whenever you get on the subject of who God is, usually Genesis 1.26 in the King James Version comes up, where it talks about, let us make man in our image. And of course, the Mormons will assume that that word image means a body of flesh and bones. Right. The problem for them in that, and I think it's a problem also in this particular area, is you have to ask, well, who is in this conversation when it says, let us make man? Am I to assume that maybe Heavenly Mother was in the conversation? Because if not, I don't think this is a real good verse for Mormons to use. But Joseph Smith actually helps us on this. <laughs> and naturally, as a Christian, I wouldn't hold to what Joseph Smith does to Genesis chapter 1, but this is what he does in his Joseph Smith translation. In verse 27, and some of the verses are different than in our Bibles, but in Genesis 1.27, where we would normally find our Genesis 1.26, this is what Joseph Smith said, And I, God, said unto mine only begotten, which was with me from the beginning, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and it was so. So here's okay. God the Father, Elohim, in Mormonism, talking to the pre-incarnate Christ, who is Jehovah. Mormons will draw this conclusion that that's talking about a body of flesh and bones, even though Jehovah did not have a body of flesh and bones at right. the time this conversation exactly. was obviously taking place. But we see by the fact that Joseph Smith said that the conversation is between Elohim and Jehovah, Heavenly Mother's not involved in this conversation. And so you know, I've never heard that before verse? that they had. That was the first time I've heard that they would I don't know why they use that, that verse, but it's not uncommon for the Mormon church to pad their footnotes. Yeah. And many times they pad them with Bible verses that certainly are not supporting the conclusion that they are hoping to make. And this is certainly one of them, and there's mm -hmm. others as well. Mm -hmm. All right. The Encyclopedia of Mormonism says uh, about their doctrine and heaven, and I quote, Latter-day Saints infer from authoritative sources of Scripture and modern prophecy that there is a heavenly mother as well as a heavenly father. Though the Scriptures contain only hints, statements from presidents of the church over the years indicate that, heavenly, that human beings have a heavenly mother as well as a heavenly father. So so it sounds like their only source, according to this, of authority for this knowledge of Heavenly Mother is coming from statements made by presidents of the church. They're, they're, they're saying that along with the scripture, which we already have, have talked about. So wh what authority are they getting their authority to claim for the belief of something that's not in the scriptures? Well, I think we would expect them to go to those sources yeah. because those men, in order to be the leader or a president in the church, an apostle in the the church, you have to be loyal to the system. And naturally, part of that loyalty to the system is to uphold what they believe or think Joseph Smith taught. Right. So obviously, they're going to make comments about this, but they don't qualify to be true apostles of God. They don't qualify to be true prophets of God. So why should we, as those outside of the LDS church, take those comments seriously? So there's no revelation given by Joseph Smith anywhere at all that there is a mother in heaven, just a statement. I think it started with what Eliza Snow when her her mother died or and he tried to console and, her with that. In fact, that. the essay actually admits this in the second paragraph. While there is no record of a formal revelation to Joseph Smith on this doctrine, some early Latter-day Saint women recalled 
that he personally taught them about a mother in heaven. So uh -huh. we're getting this second hand yeah. at best. You would think a doctrine that is as important as this is, to even generate an essay to, dis dis to discuss it, mm -hmm. it must be important to Latter-day Saints. Why is it that Joseph Smith never formally talked about yeah. it? He talked about yeah. a lot of things formally, even down basically to what you should drink, yeah, okay, right. and the word of wisdom. Right. But when it comes to something like this, we don't have any good solid no, revelation, quote unquote, coming just, from him. They teach that God the Father, and, and we've already talked about this briefly, has a physical body, was once a man with parts and passions and all that. Now, the original Mormon polygamists and the polygamists of today continue to teach that, but they've taken it a step further where they call God a polygamist and they've made Jesus into a polygamist. And uh, Orson Pratt said in The Seer, um, if none but gods will be permitted to multiply immortal children, it follows that each god must have one or more wives. Okay, oh, yeah. this opens another tunnel here with this doctrine of mother in heaven or mothers in heaven. Is and, God married? And, and that's <laughs> not even mentioned in this essay, which yeah. when we were doing our shows on this, we found that fascinating. Here are these essays that are supposed to be transparent and are supposed to explain yeah. a lot of these real thorny issues in Mormonism. Why was that overlooked? When you have, let me just read you a few comments on this. I, I love this quote from Brigham Young because he, he attributes monogamy or marrying just one wife to the Roman Empire. Right. I, I found that <laughs> fascinating. He says monogamy or restrictions by law to one wife is no part of the economy of heaven among men. Such a system was commenced by the founders of the Roman Empire. The empire was founded on the banks of the Tiber by wandering brigands, and when these robbers found, founded the city of Rome, it was evident to them that their success in attaining a balance of power with their neighbors depended on introducing females into the body politic. So they stole them from the Sabines, who were near neighbors. The scarcity of women gave existence to laws restricting one wife to one man. Rome became the mistress of the world and introduced the, this order of monogamy wherever her sway was acknowledged. Thus, this mon monogamic, that's kind of a word we yeah, don't use it very often, word, right. monogamic order of marriage, so esteemed by modern Christians as a holy sacrament and divine institution, is nothing but a system established by a set of robbers. Now, I would take that quote from Brigham Young, and the first thing I would, I would say is, okay, then show me that being practiced by the early Christians. Yeah. If that was really something that was just merely attributed to the Romans and the Roman Empire, now I know that Israel was a part of the Roman Empire during the during early years, but are you, doesn't it seem a little odd that we don't find any mention of this kind of a, uh, you know, pol polygamy in the New Testament? In fact, to be a polygamist, you were disqualified from even holding an office, an office in the church. In the early church. You had to be a one-woman man, as it, as it reads. So it seems a little bit odd. But if this is really the case, and he says that polygamy is the economy of heaven, right? then what Brigham Young was implying here is that obviously polygamy is something that's going to take place in heaven and certainly as he goes on in other statements and as other leaders have said the one by orson pratt god himself must be a practicing if polygamist. it's the economy of heaven he must be a practicing uh, absolutely polygamist. absolutely uh, he says is this religion popular in heaven it is the only popular religion there 
for this is the religion of Abraham. And unless mm -hmm. we do the works of Abraham, we are not Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is the kind of conclusion that, that Brigham Young, and Orson Pratt, and others in the early church certainly drew. But again, we don't really find any hard, fast evidence. And I think some of the verses that the Mormons, that this essay uses to try and support that are used very badly. So why wouldn't they, I mean, if, if this was true, if Brigham Young was truly a prophet, and what he said was honestly a fact that there's uh, polygamy is the economy of heaven, then we would have to look at each other and wonder if your mother was the same as mine. You know, right? Great question. We're supposed to have the same father in heaven, but right. obviously we wouldn't have the same mother Correct. in heaven. I just find it odd that, well, maybe I shouldn't say odd. I, I kind of expect it that this is not even touched on in the six paragraphs in this essay, that in the early years of the Mormon church, it was not merely taught that there was a mother in heaven, but there was, in fact, mothers mm -hmm. in heaven. Mm -hmm. During the polygamy era, right. this was certainly understood by many LDS leaders, and I have to assume by members in the Mormon church who held those leaders to be prophets of God. One of the reasons they say that the modern LDS church doesn't actively teach about the mother in heaven and preach and talk about it and have it in their Sunday school lessons and so on is because the Heavenly Father doesn't want people to, uh, you know, miss, malign her name or, you know, take her name in vain and so on. Now, the regular polygamists have no qualms about talking about the mother in heaven and they don't slander her name. So what do you think is the real reason that they don't actively teach and preach about Well, if her? you're going to talk about running the risk of slander, then let's not talk about Jesus at all. That's right. I mean, obviously, Jesus' name is slandered. We're slandered for believing in him. I think that argument is also very weak. Um, why don't they just put out a correct understanding of who this mother in heaven is? Or mothers. Or mothers, <laughs> and just let it stand on its own. They didn't seem to have a problem when it came to other controversial aspects of the Mormon faith. Mm -hmm. So why all of a sudden pick this one to be silent It's on? an interesting uh, so. question. The one uh, passage that is uh, footnoted in their article is Romans 8, 16, and 17, which mm -hmm. I'll read, and then I'll ask you to explain how it verifies there's a mother in heaven. This is Romans 8, 16, and 17. Uh, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. How does this verify a mother in heaven? I, I don't know. I, I think Romans 8, again, is another very poor verse for Mormons to use to try and support that, especially when you go back to verse 14, where it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. There's no argument that believers are described as children of God in the New Testament. There's no argument there. Right. But if you look very carefully, that phrase, child of God, children of God, is often in the context speaking specifically of believers. Mm -hmm. When you believe, if you're led by the Spirit of God, you are a son of God. Right. You become a son of God. Right. You weren't already a literal son or daughter of God, mm -hmm. as Mormonism proposes. 
Again, what we have here is merely a phrase that is used elsewhere in the New Testament to describe believers. But nowhere in this passage is it even hinting that somehow, in order to become a child of God, in the Mormon viewpoint, we had to be conceived and born in some pre-existence between right. a man who was God and a God-woman, a, God, a goddess-wife of some sort. Right. It doesn't imply right. that at all. You're really, what you're doing here as a Latter-day Saint, and drawing that kind of a conclusion, whoever wrote this essay is doing the same thing. They're guilty of eisegesis. They're reading into the passage something that Paul obviously never meant to be understood in the mm -hmm, passage. Exactly. And verse 15 tells us that we receive the spirit of adoption, yes. which is adopted into God's family. We are not born into his family. Um, there are actually five uh, verses in the entire Old Testament that talks about a deity in heaven, and they're all in Jeremiah. And every single one of them are negative statements and warnings about embracing and believing in a female deity in heaven. Uh, what significance would you say to our viewers that these Jeremiah, Jeremiah verses have on believing in a mother in heaven? Well, certainly, believing in, in the... In the pagan deities of, of of the people that lived around Israel in the Old Testament, certainly the warnings were always there. I've actually heard in the past. I'm not hearing it so much anymore, but maybe some kind of hint that maybe you know Asherah worship was a type of worshiping the mother god. Ooh. Well, yeah, if you're a Canaanite, Ooh, yeah. which I don't know why a, a Christian, a professing Christian, would want to align themselves with any type of Canaanite exactly. pagan worship, but you know, some Mormons bring up a lot of strange yeah. arguments to try and support this. What they do is they have a premise, and they have to somehow support that premise with mm -hmm. any kind of evidence Anything they can they come can. up with. And usually it's not very good. And as we've seen here with R Romans 8, and that certainly isn't the only verse. Mm -hmm. uh, if we looked at other verses, for instance, that talk about children of God, for instance, again, it's pointing to, I should say, those who have faith in Christ. In Jesus Christ, and, yeah. and that has to be understood. They, they, you know, adamantly, dogmatically claim to be Christian, but this is not a Christian belief, Mother in Heaven. No, in fact, they admit in here that it's a unique belief to Mormonism. It's distinctive, uh, I think they say. Yes, and so, okay, well, that's fine if, if you want to believe that, but please spare us. Don't insult our intelligence by implying that this is something that early Christians believed. And remember, that's the main premise of Mormonism, that they believe and practice like they think the early church believed right. and practiced. right. But yet we can't find this kind of evidence to support that conclusion, which is not totally unusual, because mm -hmm. that happens a lot when you hear <laughs> Mormons trying to defend their faith. Right. Um, the article ends with this statement, and I quote, Men and women cannot be exalted without each other. Just as we have a father in heaven, we have a mother in heaven. As Elder Dallin H. Oaks of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles has said, our theology begins with heavenly parents. Our highest aspiration is to be like them. Men and women cannot be exalted without each other. Explain right. how that fits in with the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Exactly. Again, it makes marriage, this team effort, uh, mandatory for a person in the Mormon church to find true salvation or exaltation. When he says that it begins with a father and mother, mm -hmm. begins with a father and doesn't really. It no. begins with whoever taught that it was a father and mother, which would go back to Joseph Smith. Right. 
basically what we're finding, and that's an admission in my opinion, that it really begins with Joseph Smith. That's the whole problem with this. It always goes back to Joseph yeah. Smith. Either yeah. he was a prophet of God, divinely called and appointed, or he was a fraud. And I would go with the latter option on that one. Uh, I would too, of course, and that's what basis of most of these shows are. So they end also that art that last statement that I quoted, that our highest aspiration is to be like our mother and father in heaven. Is that biblically, again, Christianity based on being like our father uh, is it, in heaven? I've been a Christian for <laughs> over four decades, and that's never been my aspiration, and I certainly don't see that kind of an idea being taught about. Now, I do see in my behavior wanting to be holy, like my God, certainly we're encouraged to be holy, to be sanctified, and to live a life that glorifies the Lord. Certainly that is a desire of my heart as a Christian. But to be like him as far as being a God, um, that's never been my aspiration. I don't see any New Testament verses that really support that kind of a position. And again, whenever a Mormon does point to any verse in the New Testament, it can easily be shown that that's not what the verse is really saying when you mm -hmm. look at it in its proper context. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, context. It's so difficult to try and, and even get them to understand the context is so important and what context means. And you know what's interesting about that? When I talk to Mormons on the street or in an email, here's what I find fascinating. When it comes to the Book of Mormon many times, they're usually pretty good at looking for the context. But when it comes to the Bible, a lot of those rules, are, they seem to be thrown right out. I, I've had Mormons try to show me what the context is when you read certain things in the Book of Mormon. And my question is, well, why don't you use those same rules mm -hmm. when you look to the Bible? Why is it that you just lift a passage out of its context in order to make it fit what you already presuppose? Mm -hmm. Why don't you let the Bible speak for speak itself? For itself. Well, we only have a, um, a little you know, less than a minute left. How, how would you sum up your comments about the mother in heaven? Well, certainly I think it, it behooves all of us to challenge our Latter-day Saint friends to show us where do we find this in the Bible. Definitely they can find quotations from their own leaders. That, that's a given, that's, yeah. of course. But they don't qualify to be authoritative sources according to the requirements that our own Bible gives us. So obviously, they can't be taken seriously. But I would challenge a Latter-day Saint, say, okay, if you're going to use the argument that if you're going to defend Mormonism, you have to do it from the standard works, then do it from the standard works. Yeah. And of course, this is one area in which they can't. Yeah, they can't do it from any of their four books. No. They can't pull from that. Well, I appreciate your coming, Bill, and sharing this with us. It doesn't seem like there's always enough time, and there's always plenty to say about that. But uh, again, we just say, check it out. You know, Find out what this is all about and check it out. Um, if there is a mother in heaven, God would have told us rather than hide it from us. But God denied that he is a man like us. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't need a wife. In fact, God rebuked the Old Testament folks because they thought that he was like just like themselves. Now, the New Testament tells us not to go beyond what is written, which is a great guideline for all of us to follow. And it is not, as we've talked about, it is not written in the scriptures. It's not written that there is a mother in heaven. Instead, the New Testament testifies that our focus should be Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it.
We don't need a mother in heaven, and we don't need polygamy. Jesus is our Savior because we all need to be saved. A mother in heaven is totally irrelevant to our need of forgiveness and to our need of a Savior who forgives. See you next time on Polygamy. What love is this? This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.